Welcome to the Untold Hour. That's right, it's Andrew Paul Brian Bowser solo this week. It's uh, it's an APBP solo episode, but don't worry, we're going to have some fun. We're going to do a listener stories episode, and I've got some fun weird of the week. I sound like... Uh, like your 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 dad after a divorce trying to convince you it's gonna be fun when you visit me. We're, we'll we'll do whatever you want. We'll we'll go to the uh, we'll go to the skate park. You know we'll go to uh, Dave and Buster's maybe. Uh, but believe me, it's gonna be fun. Okay, let's get right into it with some weird of the week. Weird of the week. Now I usually don't like doing weird of the week that requires a visual, but this is just too on the nose for us. To ignore, uh, Netflix released a trailer for a new true crime documentary entitled Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. So look it up. We'll put it on the Facebook page. Uh, it's from the director of the Ted Bundy documentary, which I still haven't watched. I can't really get with Bundy. It's I watched the Night Stalker documentary, and that was even pushing it. Very interesting, but I don't know what it is about specifically Bundy uh, and Ramirez, whose crimes are are really hard for me to stomach. Uh, I guess that's a good sign. But uh, it's from the director of both the Bundy documentary and the Bundy feature film, the narrative film that stars Zac Efron, which I didn't watch. Again, because I don't really have an easy time with... Bundy. But the trailer for the Cecil Hotel documentary from this director is out, and it comes out on Netflix on February 10th. And I will say this, um, it looks really good because it looks to be pretty in-depth about the hotel's history as a whole, but then diving deep into the specific occurrence of Elisa Lamb and her death. And uh, it looks to go into reconstructing what could have happened. I mean, it, they're looking at blueprints. They're doing like 3D recreations and modeling of what might have led to her demise, etc. Seems to be uh, they have interviews with the Cecil Hotel's manager. It, it, it looks good. February 15th, slap it and trap it. It's called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. I don't know about that title, unless this is going to be an ongoing anthology documentary series, but calling something Crime Scene... I mean, you could call any true crime documentary crime scene. Seems a little weird, right? Crime scene. Uh, It also sounds like a fake show inside of another show. Cool. That's the first weird of the week. Next up, we've got the inside of this rock looks just like Cookie Monster, and it's worth a lot of dough. Now, again, a visual weird of the week, but we'll put the link on our Facebook page. This was too cute to pass up, okay? Uh, this is the story. An agate, agate, gemstone recently. Oh, gosh, I'm an idiot. How do you pronounce A-G-A-T-E? Oh, God, I'm a dumb dumb. An agate gemstone recently discovered inside a volcanic rock could be worth more than 10 grand thanks to its uncanny resemblance to Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. 
And this is funny to me because I wouldn't expect a rock resembling a character from pop culture would be worth more than a rock that just looks like a rock. I, I thought the value of these things was kind of intrinsic to their ma- material. Uh, but I guess if you think about it, if there's a gimmick that you can also slap on it, why wouldn't that be worth more? The agit or agate, all right, I'm looking it up. I can't sound this dumb for this long. Agate, I was right. First of all, that's a 30-second long YouTube video telling me how to pronounce agate, and the first 15 seconds is a dude just leading up to telling me how to pronounce agate. He's like, we are going to talk about how to pronounce this word, a popular word that's about a gemstone, and how do you think you say it? I'll tell you how I think you say it. In America, they mostly say it like this. Here we go. Agate. Thank you, dude. It only took 15 seconds out of 30 to get it out. Um, This agate was recovered from the Rio Grande do Sul region of Brazil by gemologist Lucas Fasari in November. Mike Bowers of California, who is the current owner of the sweet piece, posted a video of himself opening the unassuming rock on January 16th, which is backed up by the Muppets' famous ditty, C is for cookie. Hey, you know, uh, hot take. And Aristotle, I don't know if you could look this up and slap it into chat for me, but I don't think Cookie Monster is a Muppet, right? I've always been told that the Muppets are the Muppets. I'm talking Kermit. I'm talking uh, Fozzie Bear. I'm talking Animal. I'm talking Miss Piggy. I'm talking Gonzo are exclusively Muppets. Sesame Street characters are not Muppets, And I think that's a hard rule. Um, So this article can go fuck itself uh, for getting that detail wrong. But uh, I don't know, Aristotle, if you can Google that and slap it into chat, maybe prove me right or prove me wrong. I love that intel. Okay, so he uploaded this video, which is backed by the Muppets' famous Diddy C is for Cookie. The video begins with Bowers holding what looks to be a dull stone, but when he splits it open, the viewer is dazzled with blue quartz crystals topped by what looks like the wide eyes and a gaping smile of the beloved cookie-inhaling character. So I will say, um, normally when these things occur, like, hey, look, there's a face of uh, Jesus Christ burned into this toast, it never really looks like the thing, right? It always looks like the thing kind of melted and fucked up. This rock looks like motherfucking Cookie Monster, dude. Straight up. It looks like they made Cookie Monster out of agate. Okay? So we'll post that link so you can see it. It's really funny looking. Um, I'm checking the chat to see if Aristotle... Okay, oh my gosh, I've got info from Aristotle. Given what we know of the term Muppet, yes, the Sesame Street characters are in fact Muppets. Fuck you. Um, at least the puppet characters are. Obviously, the human characters who appear in the show are not Muppets. Yeah, well, yeah. Really? The Sesame Street Muppet characters include everyone from Big Bird to Oscar the Grouch to the new character, Julia. The Sesame Street closing credits have traditionally listed everyone who plays as a Muppet performer. No way. No, 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 no. I, 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 I don't agree. I don't accept it, and I don't agree. Um, I don't know what other defense I can give other than that. I don't accept it, and I don't agree. I know that not every Jim Henson puppet is a Muppet. I know that. You know, I know that the Dark Crystal's not Muppets, but I've always been told that Muppets are 
the characters within the Muppet show, the Muppet movies, a Muppet Christmas Carol. You know what I'm saying? Ah, this is frying my brain. Okay, next weird of the week. Oklahoma lawmaker wants to create an official Bigfoot hunting season. Bigfoot may not be real. Yes, he is. But one lawmaker in Oklahoma wants to create a hunting season for him anyway. First of all, I mean, assigning a gender to Bigfoot, I feel like you're already not taking it seriously because if if Bigfoots exist, which I believe they do, they are of many genders. So... Bigfoot's not just a character. He's not one thing. He He's not a he that is just, there goes him, there goes Bigfoot. Bigfoots are a uh, race of creatures. Uh, so anyway, man, I'm just, I'm like blasting these articles today. Wrong. Muppets. Him, Bigfoot. Wrong. Um, Oklahoma wants to create a hunting season for Bigfoot. Uh, just don't plan on actually shooting the Squatch. Here's what this uh, state representative said uh, behind the bill. I want to be really clear that we are, we're not going to kill Bigfoot. State Representative Justin Humphrey said, We're going to trap a live Bigfoot. We're not promoting killing Bigfoot. We are promoting hunting Bigfoot, trying to find evidence of Bigfoot. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, the bill doesn't specify that, however. The text, as it is introduced by Humphrey, directs the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Commission to create rules, dates, license, and fees establishing a Bigfoot hunting season. Humphrey also told a local radio station that he would work on the specifics with the commission, which would include a $25,000 bounty for someone who traps the cryptid. You know, even if this is just like a publicity stunt for local tourism, it's still fun, right? I think that's a good idea. Uh, but don't play yourself, player. You, you are inviting people to kill Bigfoot. So if you wind up being the one that invites people to kill Bigfoot and it happens, I don't know, man. Shame on you. Shame on you. All right. Here's our last bit of weird news. Are you ready for it? Filmmaker Andrew Bowser launches Kickstarter campaign for a feature horror comedy based on his character, Onyx the Fortuitous. That's right. I'm sneaking this into Weird of the Week. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. I am going to launch a Kickstarter in the coming weeks to try to raise money to make an Onyx the Fortuitous horror comedy feature film. Now, the Kickstarter is not launched yet. It won't be launching until, uh, I think, the second week of February. But here's what has launched. My pre-launch website. So if you think you'll want to give to the Kickstarter, then now you can go to onyxthemovie.com and sign up for email updates, okay? Because here's the thing. Onyx has fans across numerous platforms. Some people like Onyx, and they don't even know it's Onyx. They just remember the viral videos. They don't know there's a, a performer and filmmaker behind those videos. So I'm trying to get everybody from TikTok, everybody from YouTube, everybody from the podcasts that may be interested in giving money to an Onyx feature Kickstarter, go to onyxthemovie.com 
and give me your email address so I can communicate with you directly instead of trying to chase interest across numerous platforms, which of course I will still continue to do, but I'm trying to get a real gauge of how many people would be interested in giving to this Kickstarter. I've written the script. It's what I've been doing for the last 30 days. I made a schedule for myself and I kept to it. And I, I got my pages done daily on top of all the jobs that I have. And I tell you what, it makes me laugh so goddamn hard. Nothing, uh, no, no Onyx, how do I say this? Uh, the, nobody laughs more at Onyx than me. I get a kick out of it. He's one of the only things that brings me pure joy in this world. That sounds worse than it is. I mean it on a really uh, visceral, pure level. I get a lot of joy out of performing Onyx. He makes me laugh uh, in a way that almost feels like it is outside of myself. So writing this was really, really fun. I LOL'd every fucking night that I sat down here in my garage and worked on the script. It came very easy to me because the themes have been running through my veins for years doing the character. You know, I've thought of different features that he could be in for a long time, but I finally hit on an idea that unlocked it all, and I, I just could see the whole movie the second I got it. And it's not its not a direct parody of anything. It's not, you know, just a scary movie, but with Onyx, it's, it's a wholly original script, um, but it is in the vein of Fright Night or... Or, you know, Ernest Scared Stupid, Transylvania 65,000. It's a demonic monster comedy uh, with a heart of gold. Okay, how's that for a pitch? Come on. If you care about it, go to O-N-Y-X-T-H-E-M-O-V-I-E.com and give me your email address. Thank you so much, Untoldians. Let's make Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls a reality. Okay, that's it for Weird of the Week and Shameless Plug of the Week. Let's tear in to our main segment, Listener Stories. So, here's what I did. I logged into our email earlier today. And I saw a number of listener stories, and I thought, well, I should sift through these and find the best ones. But then I thought, what if we just rode the lightning? This means more work for Aristotle, because if any of these are inappropriate or I have to bail on them, then he's got to cut them out after the fact. But I thought it'd be fun to just start ripping into these not reading them, just going off the subject line and diving in. For all I know, the first story is going to be, hey, Justin Bowser, fuck both of you. I hate you and your stupid podcast. And if that's the case, I will have read that on the air and I might leave it in. This is a wild, wild electric ride into the world of listener stories. And here is the first one. Subject line, I think I saw a ghost. Hi, Justin Bowser. Actually, it says, hi, Jess, and browser. Whoa! I'm skipping this goddamn story. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. That could have just been a typo. Hi, Jess, and browser. My name is Luis. Feel free to use my name. I've been a longtime listener since the early Bizarre States days, and I have wanted to write in, but didn't know what to write until now. I've had a few experiences in my life that has made me a believer, like having a malevolent entity torment me for years and even follow me from state to state. But that is a story for a different time. My gosh, if I had a dime for every time 
someone wrote a listener story and teased a highly intriguing second listener story, but then said, but that's a story for another time. Holy moly, I'd have so many dimes. Okay. I've never seen a ghost, but I've always wanted to. With that said, I consider myself a skeptical believer. I believe, but I always try to find a logical explanation if there is one. And that's what makes this experience so strange. Just today, I was driving around with my girlfriend around rural Florida. We live in Orlando, but we were driving to a hiking trail. It was the middle of the day, and I turned onto a small road. When I turned onto the road, I saw a man walking on the opposite side of the road, which isn't unusual. And this man turned into a driveway past a tree. When we got to the driveway, I looked to where I saw the man turn, and there was a locked fence with barbed wire and a deserted lot, and the man was nowhere in sight. It took a few seconds to get to the spot I saw him turn in, so naturally my first assumption was that I just must have thought I saw something, but didn't. And I went through my day believing that to be true. That is, except for the fact that when trying to sleep and close my eyes, I can clearly see the man I saw wearing a burgundy shirt and blue jeans. So I'm convinced I must have seen a man, but there's nowhere the man could have gone. Now I wonder if what I saw was a ghost, but I am not sure. Thank you for reading my story. Sorry if it's a little long. I have a lot of other strange experiences that have happened, but this happened and seemed so weird that I can't explain it, so I thought I'd share. Thanks again. Bye. That's great. Um, I want to hear your other stories. You know, it's interesting. Um, We get a lot of stories where people say they saw something, and it was very physical and real and practical, but then it, it, it turned a corner or it disappeared quickly in a way that just couldn't be practical. And I find that interesting. You know, like if you saw a a car, I mean, that means you're talking ghost car. And I I believe that's possible. Um, You know, obviously the Telly Savala story, right? That car had to physically be there. The driver could be a ghost, but I have a harder time understanding how something as uh, real and tactile as a vehicle could be somehow spectral. But I believe it's possible. I really do. All right, here's the next story. I inherited a murder weapon. Ooh, okay, all right. Hello, Jessen Bowser, spelled correctly. My boyfriend and I love listening to The Untold Hour and have blown through the episodes and are now currently devouring Old Bizarre States podcasts. That's cool. I, I like the idea of somebody coming into the podcast now and then going back and listening to Bizarre States. I assume most people that listen to us uh, are reformed bizarros, but that's not always the case. After listening to Jess talk about her love of old houses and vintage art, I finally realized that I had the perfect spooky family story to share with you guys. Earlier this year, we lost my 90-year-old grandma, and I finally inherited one of my favorite collections of hers, a collection of old antique hat pins. You know, think the giant pins that women would stick into their hats, My Fair Lady style. Love anytime you can drop My Fair Lady style into a story. It's a good day. This collection is something I've had my eyes on since I was a little girl and was one of the first things I asked for. And thanks to the creepy backstory, no one in the family argued. This collection was lovingly curated throughout the years by my granny, and it all started with an old family story and simple curiosity. One day in the late 1950s, my granny was combing through the attic of her mother-in-law's old plantation house in the back hollers of eastern Kentucky and found a single hat pin sticking out of the side of the attic wall. 
She plucked it from the wall and took it down to the kitchen to ask if she could keep it because she thought it was pretty. Upon showing it to her mother-in-law, the great-grandmother, my great-grandmother who died long before I was born, she promptly declared she could keep that old piece of cheap costume jewelry because she was pretty sure that was the pin her great-aunt killed her great-uncle with. And that would be my third great-aunt and uncle if my generational math is correct. She then rattled off a story about how the aunt and uncle had been fighting all day and finally fed up with him. The aunt supposedly killed him by driving the hat pin into his ear. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Wait a minute. Through his brain and out the other ear? What are you even talking about? Whoa, hold on. Yo, that's making me cringe and wince. I'm having a hard time with that. Hold on. Oh, I don't, are hat pins that long? Then it would need to be basically peeking out of the other ear so that you could grab the end and pull it through. Holy shit, dude. If that hasn't happened in a horror movie, it needs to. Wow, the hat pin killer. Yikes. All right, let me get my thoughts back on track here. My granny, she used to babysit me. Oh, sorry, my granny, naturally thinking this was just a silly old story to scare her, kept the pin and quickly started adding to the collection every time she went thrifting and junking throughout the years. It wasn't until a few other members of the family corroborated the story that she started to think it really happened. She used to babysit me after school nearly every day. And when I was old enough, she told me the story, which started my love of true crime and bizarre things right then and there. I've spent years talking to distant relatives, quizzing and asking them everything they know about the story. Although a few of them had also heard the story, no one can prove that it happened. Nor does anyone remember the name of the great-great relatives who the story was about. I know which hat pin is the famed supposed murder weapon but it's always fun to ask visitors which one they think so now it's your turn oh we got picks oh this is interactive Ooh, which pin looks suspect to you and then i'll tell you the answer at the very bottom oh wow okay um and then she (laughs) and then she wait a minute and then she says uh i also i didn't know that onyx has been on history channels forged in fire he won his episode. <laughs> episode is 25 of season 6. Watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay, it's probably a guy that it's probably a guy that that is an Onyx type. Uh I get messages like that a lot and honestly, uh they're always all about shows like Forged in Fire. <laughs> it's always like somebody's making a medieval weapon and they're like, "Hey, that guy's like Onyx." Okay. All right, three attachments. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm looking at the hat pins. This is interesting. They are long. Okay. I Okay, I, I, I didn't... I guess I didn't understand how long hat pins were. Okay, I'm looking at... Wow, there are some that feel like they, they would be murder weapons. There's one cool one that has, like, uh, uh, the talon of a bird gripping uh, an emerald jewel. And I want to say that's the murder weapon, but... You know, let's go by Raiders. Oh, sorry, not Raiders. Jesus Christ. Let's go by uh, Last Crusade rules. It's not always the one you expect. You know what I mean? You think the chalice that belonged to Jesus is the fanciest one with all the jewels? No, dude. It's the rusted one, dude. Because he was meek, dude, okay? He was humble, my guy. So let me think. I'm looking at these pins. Okay, I've got my select. I think I'm choosing this this one that's more opal. It's opal, and it looks really clean and ornate, and it's got a... It almost looks like the top of a little crown. 
Yeah, I'm choosing the opal one. The circular opal one that looks like the top of a crown. Okay, so here she says, Unfortunately, as much as I would love for it to be the spooky dragon claw <laughs> or something more dramatic, it's one of the simple black plain ones with the simple black bead on the top. You know what? Ah, ah, fuck. That's what I was going to say. Fuck. I was going to say that. I was going to say it's one of the regular pins with just a black bead on top. Fuck. Oh, I was so close to getting that right. That is a great story. Wow, that's a great story. What a great story. I really hope one day you can piece it together and you can find out if it's true. And if it is true, find out more details about what went down. I also still can't understand how that can pass through and then can be pulled out the other side. I Okay. Here's the next listener story. My dead grandma still speaks to us. My name is Barry. I'm a female. People with my name, uh, with my name, people often think I am male. Uh, that, I, that's a, Barry is such a cool name. And yeah, it's spelled B-A-R-R-I-E. I like that. Uh, I am a bizarro and an untoldian and proud of it. Hell yeah. Fun fact. I found the podcast because I'm a big fan of Josh Gates and was looking for podcasts he's been on and came across yours. And I've loved it ever since. Very late one night, I was in my kitchen making clay figures, a hobby of mine, and I had a ghost detector on. Okay. While I know that these things might be a little skeptical, I have received specific responses in the past. On this particular night, the ghost detector started saying some words that referred to my family. Most significantly were the words Russian and Louis. My grandma's name is Lois. And right after it said those two words, there was a loud knock in my mom's room. I went to my mom's room thinking she would still be asleep, but I found her wide awake. I asked her if she heard the loud knock, but she hadn't. You should understand that in her room is a framed picture of my grandma pompously displaying her middle finger in the red square while on a trip to Russia. It freaked me and my, my mom out. It was calm for a few months, and then on October 28th, my sister and my mom and I were searching for a recipe that was similar to my grandma's puppy chow. But we couldn't find one. My grandma's puppy chow. Is puppy chow like a... Uh, uh, sorry, is that like a, a meal for humans that's called puppy's chow, puppy chow? I, I'm, I'm Googling this, you know, and I... I, I am I... A, oh... Oh, whoa, am I an idiot? This, man, this episode should be called Bowser is a fucking idiot. Um, puppy chow is what you call like uh, candy-coated or like chocolate and powdered sugar-coated checks, right? Puppy chow, also typically known as monkey munch, muddy buddies, muddy munch, reindeer chow, or doggy bag is the name for a homemade snack Made in the United States. It's usually chocolate, peanut butter, and uh, cereal, and powdered sugar. Wow. Uh, you know, I have got to be real with you. First of all, you can make it with Chex or Crispix. You know I would fuck with that Crispix. Oh, man, I used to love Crispix. I haven't had cereal in fucking 30 years. But Crispix. Oh, oh. You know what would be good if you could make Muddy Buddies or Monkey Munch out of O's? Did people have O's? I feel like O's cereal was maybe regional. Um, 
or or is that just another dumb fucking thing I came up with that isn't true because I'm a fucking idiot? Um, I don't know. Let me know if you guys had O's. I loved O's. Honeygram O's from Post. I would love a Honeygram O dipped in peanut butter and chocolate and powdered sugar. Ooh, and you know what I'd call them? Ooh, I'd call them Bowser Bunch. Ooh, I'd say, give me some Bowser Bunch. You know what? I may make this. I may make it. I may make it. I don't eat cereal. I am not supposed to be eating sweets because I have gained weight in quarantine. But I'm going to make some Bowser Bunch. Okay. (laughs) Golly. Back on track. Back on track. I was trying to find a recipe that was similar to my grandma's puppy chow. But we couldn't find one. I turned on the same ghost detector in jest, hoping that grandma might answer. And she did. I had no luck finding the recipe, but the first thing that came up when my sister searched on her phone was Edward's puppy chow, and it was the exact recipe we were looking for. The spooky thing about it is Edward is my grandma's brother's name. Shortly after we found it, my sister noticed her phone was malfunctioning. At the top of the screen, it no longer showed the service provider, battery, Wi-Fi, or any other display. Why? Ha, ha, ha. I'll send more. Wow, so Barry's got more info to share. I love that story. I tell you what, if if a ghost ever communicated with me just to help me find a, a good recipe for a sweet treat, then y'all can haunt the fuck out of me, okay? And maybe my ghost can lead people toward the recipe for Bowser Bunch. All right, this next one, this might be a little more serious. Uh, it's called Sleep Paralysis Experience, okay? Hi, Jess and Bowser. Feel free to use my real name. It's Renee. A recent sleep paralysis listener story inspired me to write in and tell you about some recent events happening in my apartment in Long Beach. I've always been an open-minded skeptic of the paranormal, having never experienced anything myself until now. My girlfriend and I moved into an apartment in Belmont Heights, an old neighborhood made up of craftsman homes built in the 20s. Just short bike ride east of the Queen Mary. The first event did not involve sleep paralysis and happened about a year ago. My girlfriend and I were home one night and I was watching TV. Where I was sitting on the couch, you can see past the TV and into our bedroom. From the corner of my eye, I saw a figure from inside the bedroom walk across the view of the bedroom door. I saw it. Why did I read that like that wasn't the fucking event of the story? Oh my gosh. I read that like it was a nominal detail. Okay, let me take that again. Uh, From the corner of my eye, I saw a figure from inside the bedroom walk across the view of the bedroom door. I saw it so clearly that I shrugged it off and assumed it was my girlfriend. I sat and wondered why she didn't bother to turn on the lights when I quickly realized that she was taking a shower and not inside the bedroom at all. I walked into the bedroom, turned the lights on, and found no one in the room. I never told anyone about this until recently. The most recent event involved my sleep paralysis. I experience it quite often, but I had never experienced anything paranormal to go along with it. When it happened, I'm aw- when it happens, I'm awake, but my body is completely paralyzed. At this point, it's just a familiar nuisance, and I have to deal with it from time to time. I woke up to find myself paralyzed again. I was sleeping on my back with my right hand hanging a bit off the edge of the bed when I felt someone gently place their hand on top of mine. Hey, I felt the warmth and everything. I knew right away that this could not have been my girlfriend since she was sleeping on my left. 
I began to panic. I couldn't move, and I didn't know what to do. I tried to move for a few seconds, and all the while, the hand remained on top of mine. I tried my hardest to lift my hand up when I felt the hand gently grab my fingers. I was finally able to jolt myself awake and yelled, Jesus! (laughs) I'm kidding, but when I woke up, I'll admit I was startled, but the panic quickly faded. The presence did not feel hostile to me. Wow. Okay. You know, that story, I realized I should have given this caveat earlier. If I read any story on this episode that we've already read, please don't come for me. I'm sorry. This one feels familiar, but I'm going to say leave it in because I don't think I've read this specific story. I think we've read a similar one to it. But just know that if I read a story we've already covered on the show, have grace. Cultivate a posture of forgiveness in your heart. You know, I'm just a little turned around. I'm just a little turned around. Um, All right. This next one is just called Listener Story. That's it. So this is truly a a blind box experience. Um, This is truly riding the lightning. Listener Story. Feel free to use my name. It's Sean. I have a story I would love your take on. At two different points over time, Once after a very bad reaction to medication, and the other after massive heart attack that I later completely recovered from, almost as though it never happened, I found myself near death from accidents or injury. At both points, I remember waking up slightly in the ICU, viewed the people in the room and all the equipment there. This was a momentary waking, of course, as soon as the drugs kicked back in. As soon as the drugs kicked back in. However... Both times, I could clearly see out of my peripheral vision someone standing just to the left side of me and slightly behind me. They were not part of the medical staff, and it was clearly not a piece of equipment. It was a large humanoid figure that did not make me feel afraid or unsettled at all, but instead gave me a great amount of ease. I have tried explaining this to a few other people, but had it dismissed out of hand. I know full well that someone was there, but I have not said who or what it could have been. Um, I don't know if that sentence is what they meant. I have not said who. I have not. It's spelled side. I have not side who. I don't know if they mean I have not decided who. Um, I've researched a bit into the third man syndrome. As discussed by people such as Ernest Shackleton, when facing extreme danger, they felt that someone else, shadowy or perhaps invisible to them, was nearby offering assistance or guidance in some way. I have a few other stories as well involving sleep paralysis phantom gunshots, and what I am convinced are visitations by a late dog that we lost years ago. I want to hold off on those, though. Try to spread things out a bit. What do you all think of the issue, and have either of you experienced anything similar? Wow. Well, Sean, I have not experienced something similar. I guess similar meaning within that context. I've never been sick or ill uh, and seen uh, a figure like that, if that's what you're asking. I have had dreams where I, as I'm waking, I still see a figure from the dream or the dream is so vivid it feels like I'm just looking in my room and experiencing it while awake when in actuality I'm asleep and I've seen figures like that. Shadow people, kind of. They usually have more uh, facial features and detail than a shadow person. Like I can usually remember what they're wearing, although they they may be gen generally faceless or vague in ways. 
Um, I don't know, man. I I, I guess I'd, I'd like to uh, subscribe to the uh, third man theory. The idea that there that there's someone there, even if they're, you know, even if they're there to like take you to the other side, but they kind of got to their queue a little early because you didn't pass, and they were like, "What's that? Oh, he's good. Okay," and then they just dip away. That's interesting. Thank you for sharing that, and that's intense going through um, health experiences, medical experiences like that. That's no joke. All right, the next story is crazy canoe trip listener story Ooh, if you're gonna get into some haunted boots i'm here for it hey untoldians my name is Atheo, and in 2014 i had a weird experience involving some lights in the sky okay we're talking alien canoes i gotcha Ooh, has there ever been a a cool scene in an alien abduction movie out on the water am i am i forgetting some iconic Alien abduction scene on water? Because that would be really cool. I was on a school kayaking trip in the Glenelg River National Park. We'd been kayaking for three days when we stopped at George's Rest Canoe Camp. We did the normal stuff like pitching tents, having dinner, and making a fire, but I decided to go down to the riverbank and do some stargazing once it got good and dark. It didn't take long to notice the particularly bright star that hung weirdly in the sky and felt oddly, and I felt oddly drawn to it. To my surprise, it split into four smaller lights, which moved with perfect synchronicity. In the sky, they traced shapes, first a perfect circle, then a square, then increasingly complex geometrical patterns. After what felt like a few minutes of staring at this crazy display, the four lights suddenly shot back into each other, and the huge ball of light shot across the sky and to the south. And I apologize for the sirens in the background, but... It's just adding to the atmosphere, don't you agree? I snapped out of my mouth-hanging-open trance and went back to camp, where everyone had gone to bed for the night. Yeah, I was only a student, but the teachers were fairly relaxed. Especially strange was that I'd felt it had only been about 10 or 15 minutes between when I left camp and when the lights disappeared. That night, I had a long and vivid dream about the lights, and I still dream about it to this day. When I zone out at work or when I'm bored at home, I always find my mind wanders to the lights. I've always felt something was trying to communicate with me. Maybe not necessarily to me, but more so I felt I had accidentally eavesdropped on some cosmic conversation, and it's now seared into my brain. Wow, that's a good one too. We are ripping and roaring through some really good listener stories tonight. Okay. Okay, this is a long one, but how can I not read a story entitled Sleep Paralysis and a Ghost Cat. I think we've read a ghost cat story before, but I don't think it's this one. But as I read it, if I begin to realize we've read it before, I'll bail. Or I'll just read it again and not remember that I've already read it. A little over two years ago, my boyfriend Justin and I moved into our first house. It's a cute little place with our landlord's house right next to it, making it super convenient for us whenever we need help with anything. The only real downside to this place is that our landlord doesn't allow pets. I've always been an animal lover, so I do feel like something is missing in our home since we're not allowed any pets. About a week or so into living in our new place, I started to notice flashes in the corner of my eye. Now, I have notoriously bad vision, so I really didn't pay too much attention to it, just my eyes playing tricks on me. However, I started to see a clearer vision of the flashes, and I swear to you, I saw a cat. 
I would even hear it, too. The pitter-patter of the little toe beans walking across the steps, walking down the steps. And I'd even see it pouncing off the stairwell railing. It was sweet to have my little ghost cat, even though literally no one believed me. I used to think of it as the cat welcoming us into the new house, even though I haven't seen much of it since we first moved in. However, I like to think that the reason we're not allowed pets has something to do with this ghost cat, and her haunting is an eternal fuck you from the other side. <laughs> the ghost cat's like, no, no pets, huh? Fuck you. Uh, you know, the cat isn't the only thing haunting this house. I think something is haunting me. I always used to be a super sound sleeper. My family loves to tell the story about how I fell asleep during a local fair's 4th of July fireworks show when I was younger. I could sleep through anything. But now, in this house, I rarely get a good night's sleep. As soon as we moved in, my sleep schedule was just off. At first, I just assumed it was because it's a new place. All the noises of the house were new to me, and I still hadn't gotten used to them. But as time went on, my sleeping just got worse. I would forever wake up in the middle of the night, always at 3 a.m., the witching hour... And I started to get terrible sleep paralysis. I would have vivid dreams and our landlord of our landlord sending drones over to spy on us. My boyfriend was forever telling me that I was talking and shaking violently in my sleep. But I'd wake up not remembering any of it. There was one night, however, that really scared me. I was having a nightmare. I can't exactly remember what it was about, but I woke myself by screaming. I was so terrified and started apologizing to my boyfriend who had, to- who had to be at work in a few hours. Jesus! That morning, I apologized again. I'm sorry I woke you up last night. I just had the most terrifying dream. I couldn't help but scream, I told him. My boyfriend looked utterly confused. What are you talking about? You weren't screaming last night. You were maniacally laughing. When I asked you what's wrong, you looked me straight in the eyes and kept laughing. Phew. Yep, so I'm a super awesome person to sleep with. After that dream, I saged my house. It seemed to help for a little while, but the dreams have started up again. On a lighter note, my attic is dedicated to all my magic items. I have my crystals, altar, and tarot cards up there. One day, my landlord had an exterminator come to the house because he found some bugs in his house. When the exterminator came over to our side of the house, he refused to go up into the attic because of the crystals and all my other witchy stuff. It freaked him out. <laughs> anyway, love you both, and I'm so happy to hear the podcast again. Well, that's a gr- wow, What a great smattering of stories i thought the sleep paralysis was going to be connected to the ghost cat but they were separate things uh very interesting you've got a lot going on uh and it always it makes me laugh when people are afraid of the um you know of the uh um the the witchy stuff I don't know what they assume. What do they assume about the person? You know, are they worried that you're you're cursing them? Are they worried it's evil or demonic? I, I just, I, it's interesting for people to get freaked out by that. Uh, I think it shows like a fair amount of intolerance um, and a lack of understanding. You know, I'm getting a little judgy. Sorry. Well, that might be the last listener story that we have as far as stories that we have not read. Um, So thank you, everybody, for sending those in. That was a really good run of great stories. I I guess this episode is going to be a little short unless I can think of something to rant about for for 10 minutes. I guess um, what I would say is watch the Night Stalker documentary if you haven't, but just know 
that it's really rough. Uh, I learned a lot about that serial killer that I did not know. And I don't know why he's not more infamous. Uh, I've got theories, and and if Jess were here and she'd watched it, I'd discuss it. But uh, it'd be less interesting for me to just spout my theories. But if you've got a stomach for that type of thing, watch it. I've read some reviews that think it's a little gaudy in its approach, that it's a little tacky in its stylization. I don't think so. I think uh, some of the reviews have judged it harshly. I even saw somebody say, we don't need these fancy reenactments and the slow motion bullets hitting the ground or the neon text coming up over the drone shots of Los Angeles. And I'm like, that's what what you do in a documentary. What are you talking about? Especially the standard that's been set by the Netflix true crime documentaries. They're all dressed up with all those flourishes and all that finessing. What are you talking about? So I guess at this point in the podcast, I'm just ranting about the one reviewer I disagreed with. Um, and, uh, and I wanted to put them on blast on the Untold Hour. Well, I guess I'll sign off and I'll thank you for joining me on this solo episode. Remember, if you want to l- learn more about the Onyx Kickstarter, go to onyxthemovie.com and sign up for our newsletter. I'll be launching the Kickstarter second week of February. Um, but until next time... This has been Andrew Bowser, and you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Oh, fuck, I gotta do that one again. My voice dipped out. It disappeared at the end. Hold on. This has been Andrew Bowser, and you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Fuck, that one was a botch, too. Uh, I think it's because I had coffee today, and I haven't been drinking coffee. I haven't had it in six weeks, and my throat's really stressed out by it. Hold on, I'm gonna try it again. This has been Andrew Bowser. And you've been listening to the Untold Hour. Oh, that was as good as we're going to get. Bye! Untoldians, that is it for this episode of the Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bazaar. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. Come join the Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at The Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. A, podca- <clears throat> A podcast network.